Hello, and welcome to Student Affairs Now. I'm your host, Glenda Guzman, coming to you from Livermore, California, the ancestral homelands of the Ohlone people. Student Affairs Now is the premier podcast and learning community for thousands of us who work in, alongside, and or adjacent to the field of higher education and student affairs. We hope you'll find these conversations helpful to you and are restorative to the profession. We release episodes every week on Wednesdays, and you can find us at studentaffairsnow.com, or you can find us on Twitter and now Instagram. Now, I'm particularly excited about this episode because I'm bringing four student affairs professionals who, in my opinion, have been leaders and influencers across the U.S. in nerd identity, geek culture, and its impact and influence on college and university campuses. I happen to be a huge fan of this, so I'm really excited to introduce the four panelists for today's episode. I'm gonna start with Al Day from University of California, Berkeley. We also have Alex Belisario from University of California, Santa Cruz. Brian McDonald from the University of California, Los Angeles. And Dr. Emily Sandoval from the University of Southern California. This is truly a West Coast meetup, and I'm thrilled to have all of you join me. So I'd like to start by having you all introduce yourselves and, and, um, and what do you do in higher education and in the spirit of today's conversation, your background and your areas of interest tied to this topic. Let's go ahead and start with Al. Yeah, I'm happy to get started. I'm Alfred Day, most people call me Al. I am the Associate Dean of Students uh, and Director of the Center for Support and Intervention at UC Berkeley. Uh, I've been involved in this work uh, with these fine folks for over, almost over 10 years, about 10 years now. Um, and I'm just really, really happy to be here as a, uh, uh, as a DC Comics fan. I'd like to think of us as the Justice League of higher ed uh, and geek ed uh, stuff. Other people might say Avengers, but I would never say that. <laughs> and we still don't hold it against you even after all this time. <laughs> Alex, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Alex Belisario. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm the executive director for College Student Life at UC Santa Cruz. And, um, you know, there's a natural relationship between our work in higher ed and my interest in geeky pursuits. So as a college student, I had these interests, as did my friends, like sci-fi and video games. And as a professional, I feel like it helps to make connections with students and faculty and staff. Um, I do still play Pokemon Go when people ask that question. Um, and so much of the stories that we get in sci-fi in particular give us a way to talk about real life situations. So it's a natural connection. And then I would also say that there's just two superheroes everywhere who are working with college students, right? Their, their outfits look a little different. They probably don't wear capes if they've seen The Incredibles, but they're out there. <laughs> Totally hear you on that. Brian. Hey, everyone. Uh, thanks, Glenn, for bringing us together. It's always uh, awesome to see everybody here and to talk about this. Uh, my name is Brian McDonald. Uh, I use he, him pronouns. I work in residential life and uh, student affairs at UCLA. Uh, I think for me, my interest is uh, twofold. Well, first, I don't think, uh, I think a childhood of watching too many horror movies has prepared me for a pandemic. So I, I have to uh, definitely attribute my, my horror fandom to uh, my likelihood of survival in 2020. Uh, but I think it's twofold. One, I think the role fictional stories and characters have, they can inspire, they can guide us, they can provide hope, they can provide leadership lessons, uh, and they can provide characters that we identify with when maybe there's not somebody in our real life that uh, we can look to. Uh, and I also think we in education can learn a lot about community uh, from fandom and how fandom forms and how it behaves. Uh, and specifically today, I think, you know, we need to pay very close attention to representation in these stories, uh, who's present and who isn't. Uh, and also I think uh, fandom and community comes with warning labels now in terms of too much nostalgia, toxic fandom. So those are things that are on my mind as we approach today's conversation. And Emily. Hello, everyone. Uh, so my name is Dr. Emily Sandoval. I use she, her, hers pronouns. Um, I am the Associate Vice Provost for Student Affairs at the University of Southern California. And I mean, my career has been in housing and residential life and in student affairs in general. So for me, this intersection is very important because many superheroes or people with superpowers 
um, spend a part of their hero's journey trying to figure out their place and where they belong and what their talent is and how they can contribute that talent or share that talent with others or the world, um, hopefully for the better. And I view the similarities with a college student's journey in college, you know, from entering their first year, trying to figure out where do they belong? What is my talent? What is my major? Um, what good can I do after college? Um, I really equate to that. And I feel like I've been on my own hero's journey my entire life. I feel we all have been. Um, but very much, I've also learned to use my geek identity as a point of connection with the students and the professional staff that I work with. So, you know, let's frame this conversation because I think for me, when I was growing up, I wouldn't have even understood this idea of nerd identity or this geek culture. So can we start by how do you define nerd identity or geek culture? And, and I'd like to hear, you know, how did your interest in this topic emerge in your personal life and eventually your professional field? Alex, Al, I'm, uh, do either one of you want to kick us off? Yeah, I'd be happy to. For, for me, you know, the, the idea of nerd identity is, is so inextricably tied up into who I was in my childhood. I lived, lived in the library, uh, Merced County Library. Um, I, I, I was the kind of kid that even if I didn't call myself a nerd, everybody else did. So I just had to sort of decide at some point to either use it as an insult or as just sort of an acknowledgement of who I was. For me, nerd identity is really, it's about passion for, for a thing or a topic and it doesn't have to be tied with with my my particular one is comics and Disney and things, but it really is is that thing that that you can talk about for hours that your friends sometimes get sick of you, but it's just it's very important to you, and it can be and should be anything. Uh, we've talked about this a lot amongst the group, and we we really want to define our identity as something that's inclusive about bringing people into a circle. Um, I heard a, a podcast this weekend where somebody talked about being a kid and really being into like Harlequin, Harlequin romance novels and how even today they didn't feel like they could embrace that as part of their identity. And for me, that's, that's what it is, that, that thing that you just love and that you draw power from and that helps you sort of make meaning out of life. It's very important to me. Yeah, I think we, we got our start as Geek Ed um, almost 10 years ago. And it was because we found that we had some shared interests across professionals working in housing, but that that um, really relates and resonates for folks who are going to school or thinking about going to school. And, and when we did our first presentation at Comic-Con in 2011, we used a Venn diagram to talk a little bit about, you know, your like deep interests and um, perhaps how comfortable you felt in social situations and your um, the time and energy and passion that you would put into things rather be, if it would even be an obsession we'll say and like the difference between geeks and nerds and dorks and it was even at that time um, it was becoming a little more acceptable to say that you had these geeky interests um, and that you could find people to be in community with and I think it's even more so now but I would say more like when we were younger, for most of us, you were a little bit more of an outsider, a little more reluctant to share that for fear of the connotations that people would have about you based on their perception of your interests. So I think that being able to find that connection with each other and then to talk about how that worked so nicely with our professional life and in finding our connections with students, um, it just strengthened our bond too. And so we've been able to bring lots of folks in over time. And I always have to give a shout out to our other two OGs, Tyler Miller and Ryan McRae, who, you know, really were like, hey, we love Comic-Con. We want to be able to give back. How can we do that? And then it was like, who else can we find that have all these same interests or similar interests and then be able to move from there? Alex, you raise a good point about tying um, and connecting to the college um, campus. And so could you, can um, somebody from the panel speak and tie your professional journey to geek culture? Um, how, how do you uh, raise awareness um, or how have you been raising awareness and integration between like pop culture and student affairs? And what did you, what have you learned about this intersection between um, uh, these, these um, areas? You know, it's, it's an interesting idea. Like I said earlier, like I gotta be me. It's the lens through which I see the world. Uh, I, I, I have, uh, without without uh, 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 judgment, used 
quoted Superman in jab interviews. Like it, it is who I am. And so it's, it's sort of how I make meaning of the world. And what I discovered years ago, and, and Brian was a part of this at the time when I was at Santa Barbara, when I made that part of myself public, when I was a resident director at UC Santa Barbara, students flocked to it. I remember one, one weekend, I just took over a study room because I just needed to, to rearrange comics. And so I just had the entire study room with tables and tables of comics laid out, which is funny because it's my, uh, my collection at the time was probably a quarter of the size of it is. And the whole weekend, I didn't get any organizing done because I had student after student coming in and just asking me about it. Conversations with students that I had never had before. And so that was sort of the start of it for me is once I sort of made this part of myself known, students really responded to it. And from there, it just became sort of my professional identity in a way that just created excitement for me and the work and, and you know, created... Uh, as I said before, it's an identity I can't pretend not to have, but it really allowed me access to not only to students in general, but to a group of students who, quite frankly, had not been engaged before. Yeah, and I would add that intersection of identities. It's been even evolving for me. And I think back to 2011 at our first Comic-Con, and Alex, I don't know if you remember this. It was at the end of the panel, and we had some students come up to us. I don't remember. I think they might have been high school students. And they were just in awe because they're like, wait, you're, you're geeks and you're women. And the awe in their face. And I realized, you know, thinking back to 2011, where I was working at the time, um, I was at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, Polytechnic University. And even thinking before then, when I was a resident director, I remember hearing comments. And there was one time I spent hours playing video games with my RAs. It was GameCube. And they're like, we just spent the past like two hours getting beat by our boss. And she's a girl. I was like, woman, thank you very much. <laughs> At Cal Poly, it was interesting because they were just like, it's a polytechnic university. Like by definition, I'm going to find a lot of geeks there. And I did. We did our, our, our first geek week there and it was wonderful. But they were just, I remember these young men talking to me. They're like, this is so cool. Like you understand what we're talking about, but you're so open about your passions and you're a woman. Well, yeah. And now, you know, in 2020, it's not weird anymore, at least in my circles that I run in. And I've thought about how my office has evolved and where I am now. It's like every year I get a little more geek collectibles in my office. My office is geeked out now. You know, and I work at USC. No one's ever told me anything. But, I mean, I have geek artwork. I have so many pop figures. It's not even funny. And it's, I don't even think about that anymore where – People see me and now it's, oh, I can easily talk to you. And students come in in crisis or when they're coming to talk to you, and it's not always the fun thing. But this is where my identity gets to cross over because we share a commonality, even though I may be 20 plus years older than the student. Alex, Brian, would you want to weigh in on that? Go ahead, Brian. <laughs> I know you've got stuff in your office too. I'm looking at the collection uh, yeah, you got. Just, there's a lot. There's a lot. A lot to say um, on this particular uh, question. Um, you know, ten years ago, and I, I should say too that you know it's probably one of the professional highlights of my life of these folks inviting me to participate uh, in this group. Uh, and I, Al, I don't know if I should thank you or not that you were partially responsible for me going to my first Comic-Con in 2005. <laughs> um, but, you know... Sorry for all that money you spent. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, you know, a lot of my childhood and growing up in teenage years were very, like, fading in the back, not having community and sort of just trying to, to disappear in an effort to avoid screwing up or being embarrassed or any of those things. So for me you know, un, uh, like just getting lost in science fiction and horror uh, as a kid and having uh, something that was an escape back then turn into such a powerful, not only community now, but something that I think we learn from quite a bit today. Uh, I'll probably talk later about horror and the pandemic, right? Uh, it's very, very powerful. It's redeeming, but it also comes with a lot of responsibility as we you know, on this call, who I think have a history in fandom and geek culture, but also, you know, knowing the folks on here who've been advocating for social justice for so long, 
to now sort of see those issues play out in fandom, where I'm sure 10 years ago, maybe we would have hoped that fandom would have been a little less toxic if you had told us 10 years ago, hey, this thing's going to happen with these properties called Game of Thrones and Walking Dead. And, you know, I, it would have been hard to imagine back then. Um, but as someone, I forget who to attribute this quote to, but everybody has seen Lord of the Rings, but not everybody speaks Elvish. So there are still nerds out there. And um, for me, uh, a big part of the nerd geek equation is like community versus disconnection. Like I'm rewatching Freaks and Geeks now and it's sort of nostalgic and lighthearted and you know, the, the, the nerds in the show have friends, but then you could watch Stephen King's Carrie and you see the real like outcast side of this in a really powerful way that I think is still relevant today. Brian, you, you mentioned that um, you've been going to Comic-Con since 2005, and I know you've been moderating panels um, uh, on geek culture, I think since 2012, but I think I've sat in the audience and, and heard you speak. And before this call, you commented on the power that emerges, that, that relationship, that power that emerges between fictional stories, characters on an individual. Can you speak more to that? Sure, and I know everybody on this call has characters who they, they turn to um, you know, in tough times. I remember going through a pretty serious depression at the same time I binge watched uh, Firefly and then Serenity. And I felt like I was a part of that, that crew and it got me through some tough times. Um, uh, in this pandemic, you know, I think about uh, Sigourney Weaver's character from the Aliens franchise, Ellen Ripley, a lot, uh, as well as Chief Brody from Jaws, in terms of like two people who were sounding the alarm bell of something that was really, really important that could save lives and no one listened, right? Uh, and it's, I think it's worth noting too that uh, Ellen Ripley, that was one of the first sci-fi uh, horror characters, protagonist played by a woman. Uh, and I think it's just really important that we look at uh, race, gender, and other identities. And I think horror has actually pushed that in a long time. It's why it's a genre I return to. Um, even when you look at the very popular uh, all the characters that are in, uh, um, you know, Lovecraft Country right now and drawing, you know, history of George Romero's 1968 Night of the Living Dead, where he wasn't even conscious of the way he was altering the story by casting Dwayne Jones as Ben. He, he goes on record saying he just cast somebody uh, who did the best job in acting, which is a really interesting meta analysis of, of George Romero, right? But the fact that Ben gets shot after saving a bunch of white people's lives through that whole movie by a white sheriff completely flipped that narrative and inspired stories. Uh, so I, I point to that, that character in that movie as an example of, of such a powerful transcendent moment in film. And that, you know, these characters for especially a lot of fans out there who really invest in these characters, it really matters. It matters in a very positive way. It also, you know, I, I, I'm not a... I miss the Harry Potter fandom, right? But you see the wrestling that folks are having with um, some of uh, J.K. Rowling's comments on trans folks um, and people reckoning with their fandom for, um, for, for those comments, right? So these characters matter to people. They develop relationships. We've all cried when we've lost a character on screen. And I think it's because there is sort of a, there's a connection there that really matters to us. And I, just to, uh, to bounce off of that, I, I personally have never been a horror person until this new wave of, of uh, horror centered on Black Lives with uh, uh, Get Out and Us, and most specifically Lovecraft Country, that are really speaking to the horror of the Black experience in the, in the United States has really, I don't know if it's made me a horror fan yet, but it's just really all of a sudden the, the the metaphor of horror makes sense to me in a way that it never did before because like many other black people, I don't understand why people stay in the house. Yeah, and I think on that note too, I mean, there's, I think there's value in looking at, there's a censorship history in comics. There's, you could argue, I think a lot of us, you know, who grew up Gen X in the 80s were taught rated R means it's bad or parental advisory on music means it's bad. But when you look back to these old horror movies or you know, Black Sabbath and other, other music that was sort of stifled, there was very positive social messaging in all of these platforms that were stifled under the guise of this is bad for kids. So I, I just think it's really, really good insights too that Al shared um, with that show. It's really powerful. 
think one of the other things we talk, we tend to talk about um, when we're all getting together is how thinking about geek or nerd identity can also go beyond that. So for me, like watching a lot of violence um, gives me nightmares and pictures in my head. So I, I tend to some of the um, perhaps less, less violent comics and things. So Phineas and Ferb, um, I've been a long time fan of. And Perry the Platypus is one of my um, superheroes. I tend to be a little bit shy. I'm not the biggest fan always of public speaking. And um, the aliens and Toy Story also come up for me quite a bit. It's like the, the heroes that are behind the scenes, they're maybe not always in the front, but they're always trying to do good in, you know, in their way that they can um, and appreciating people's gifts and challenges. But uh, one of the things we talked on at least once a year on our panels is like how these interests can be a gateway to finding the things that you're passionate about. So maybe it is watching Get Out and that inspires you to want to do more in the realm of social justice or to be out there. Um, and so, and maybe it's watching the X-Men and, you know, understanding how these folks with special powers who are misunderstood by society find their community at a school together, you know, and the parallels for the kind of work that we do then just really flow in very nicely. Yeah, what are superhero narratives other than a story of using your privilege on behalf of others? Right. Wow. So I'm going to shift a little bit. Emily, you, you know, you're into, um, uh, you, you shared with me that you're into geek and the sci-fi genre. But what was, was particularly interesting is that you also did your dissertation on geek culture and higher education um, engagement. Um, what did your research during your dissertation um, journey tell you, especially around building community on college campuses through geek culture? Um, great question. And uh, Brian, I'm going to join you in blaming Al for this because we were in a parking lot after our very first Comic-Con panel 2011. And he looked at me, he's like, you, you're going to go get your dissertation. You're going to go back to school and write something on this. And I'm proud of Al for in back in school himself. So thank you to Al for planting that seed in my brain. But I was very grateful to find faculty members who took me seriously. So talking about geek identity, geek culture, as it relates to sense of belonging connection on a college campus. Um, that's the focus of the study. And I probably enjoyed doing my research more than most people enjoyed doing their research on dissertation. I mean, you have to be passionate about it, uh, but it's definitely a labor of love. And I got to, I was a qualitative study, which means I got to sit down with students and staff members at a university and talk about the importance of their identity as a geek and how they've been able to see that manifest throughout their college experience or just as an administrator. And it was wonderful conversations and it proved, it basically validated the why behind all of us doing our work in higher education, but specifically as geeks. Um, so taking that old field of dreams quote, if you build it, they will come. I say, if you provide them the space, they will come. So meaning a lot of the college campuses, um, several campuses that I've worked at, and I don't know how it is at your respective schools, but sometimes it's like, okay, the program happened or program and event happened in one building that you'd only get the students from that one building there and others wouldn't ever come to that building. Well, until we hosted a Magic the Gathering event and we had people walk across campus, which was a 20 minute walk from building to building, to attend that. So I say, provide them the space, talk to students, find out what they're interested in, and they will give, they will tell you what they think, you know? So creating spaces for Dungeons and Dragons, having people actually make those connections, opening up your lounge spaces or your dining halls for just a board game night, people will show up. And that's why I say create the space and the students who were at universities that did that for them, meant the world to them because they felt seen and they felt heard and they felt like they weren't alone, that there were other people who shared those interests, which also goes into um, representation. And I did my dissertation, my research in 2018 is when I did most of my research. So just the representation for some of the students who identify as women, um, the women characters. There is one student who absolutely loved Carrie Fisher and fell in love with Princess Leia 
And we also talked about the power of the character of Ray on a new generation of young kids. I remember seeing The Force Awakens and I was like, where was Ray on my life? Although I did have Buffy. Buffy is where it starts for me. Um, <laughs> Buffy's my hero. Um, but then going into, you know, Black Panther and what that meant for our Black African-American students. Um, even into the Spider-Verse, which is my favorite Spider-Man movie out there. The fact that there was an Afro-Latino boy playing Spider-Man, like that was huge to see a cartoon movie where I was also hearing some Spanish. It was massive. Um, so it's just understanding that for students, I mean, if it matters for us, it matters even more for students who are trying to find their footing on a college campus and the place where they belong and they feel most comfortable to be themselves. So that was what I discovered from that research. And since that research, I've had a book idea in my head for two years that I need to get off the ground because I'm going to need contributing authors. So <laughs> that is still in the works. Alex, can you weigh in on that, especially around uh, your insights on building community on college campuses? And, and I know that you've um, also been uh, a big part of the social fiction conference, which has impacted many uh, folks, including the folks on this panel. So you can speak a little to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that, you know, going back to our earlier conversation around being able to share a part of ourselves then helps our students to be able to open up and share more of themselves. And um, one of the uh, big activities that's happened at one of the colleges here is what's called the Social Fiction Conference. And our residential staff created that um, back in 2009. And it was meant to give students and community members, because Al has come as well um, over the years, and Emily, um, the ability to look at social justice issues through the lens of sci-fi, um, gaming, manga, like any of the cool, nerdy, geeky pursuits. Um, so we have had cosplay, we've had escape rooms, we've had authors, we've had folks talking about climate change, um, artificial intelligence, like, and, and our responsibility as consumers of that kind of media, and also as people who are going out into the world and hopefully creating positive change. Like it's given us an opportunity to talk with students about that, figure out what is of interest to them, and then tailoring activities and programs that can help um, put it together, right? So not telling anybody what to think or how they have to think, but have you thought about the fact that you, when you're consuming this video game, like what is it saying about women or about people of color or about violence? Like, you know, having these conversations, we had this great debate um, in the last year at the last social fiction conference about whether or not, um, oh, now I'm blanking on his name, in the Avengers, the bad guy with the glove, like whether or not he was really bad, right? What, what was he trying to do? Is he trying to save the universe by cutting the draw on the resources or is he just truly evil, right? And, and so it was a really um, spirited debate that went on. Um, and so that's really helped build community. I mentioned a little earlier that I do still play Pokemon Go and admit to it, even when people are like, do they still do that? Um, <laughs> but you'll see groups of students when we can all be in person together who show up at different places across campus and they'll travel with each other and they come to know each other. Emily met some of them when she was up here. You know, they, um, it starts with Pokemon Go, but then it's like, hey, are you in that class? Or hey, do you wanna go eat something at the dining hall? And then there's community. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about um, the Discord group is that particularly in the beginning, they were really good about making sure that if someone was coming, they were gonna wait for that person. And if someone would jump into a raid early, they're like, well, good luck trying to solo for the rest of your life. Like you need to jump out and wait till everybody's here. And so that kind of stuff just really warms my heart. Like you, you can see how it is that they're trying to take care of each other and doing things in the best way that they can. I'm gonna, and I'm not, gonna, go ahead. I was gonna say, not gonna lie, when I go up to UC Santa Cruz, one of my favorite things to do is play Pokemon Go with Alex and her staff and the students. <laughs> I look forward to that. Uh, but I will add that, you know, the social fiction conference and then also just some of the students that I interviewed in the lens of being a geek also allows us like Alex was saying, to talk about openly, like, yeah, I may be a huge fan 
a Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Absolutely adore it. Like that is my top, one of my, one of my top fandoms, but you could also look at it at a critical eye and say who's missing and who's not there. And I think having those conversations also brings some real fruitful discussions about um, race and ethnicity and gender and sexuality um, that most geeks aren't, don't shy away from having. We've been having these conversations in our fandom for years. It's, it's actually one of the hallmarks of fandom is the ability to engage in these conversations critically. It's one of the things I like about fandom is you, there's, there's no topic of any sort of sci-fi comics or, or any type of fandom that you can't argue about, but there's such a model built within fandom to have disagreement with sort of a level of civility. I'm going to sell anybody who's listening to this podcast or, 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 or participating in this on why this shit matter to you is my, my, when we, when we all started presenting together, I was in res life and now I'm out of res life and I don't have one of the great things about being in res life. You have a lot of positive interaction with students. And so for me over the last couple of years, as I haven't had that, that positive sort of directly positive, my job now is a lot with students in crisis is I found so much joy in going into these spaces and talking to these things. And if you're looking for a way to have a complex or complicated conversation with students using the lens of popular culture is an incredible way to get it done when we when we when Wonder Woman came out and especially when Black Panther came out because I'm the comic book guy on campus I was involved in a lot of conversations and and presentations about these and I cannot tell you how much a joy I got out of my work with students with having these conversations Mm -hmm. particularly with Black Panther and particularly lately with, with, the, with the unfortunate passing away of Chadwick Boseman, that if you are looking for an opportunity to have students engage with, with critical thinking and also do it in a joyful way, this is it. The conversation you talk about, uh, Alex, with Thanos, so many of our conversations around Black Panther were around, but was Killmonger wrong, though? Because I kind of don't necessarily disagree with Killmonger. Um, and the ability to really jump into a space with students where they bring their joy and their, like you, you talked about, right, Emily, like my experience was, okay, so we're going to have a presentation about uh, XVSH issues. So everybody, we're going to bring pizza and really talk about difficult things. But if you then say, okay, let's go through and find some pop culture examples of the things we want to talk about with XVSH issues and bring it within the context of, hey, that thing that happened with Spike and Buffy, that wasn't cool, right? When you really look at it, let's, let's really dig into it. You'd be amazed. The people that show up that would never otherwise show up and the joy and complexity they bring to that conversation. I get joy. And the, the other piece I'll talk about is not only for your students, I personally get joy out of every time I'm able to interact with this group when we're presenting at Comic-Con, when we just talk to each other, because it is a passion of mine. And I don't care if we share the exact same passion. The thing I'm responding to is that you are passionate about a thing. And I I just get so much joy. And if folks are looking for ways to bring this to their campus in a way that students are going to leave feeling that their time was valued and that it was worthwhile for them, this this is the the secret sauce. Yeah, and I'm going to add, even during the pandemic, it has been very unique. Um, I mean, you all know video game consoles were like sold out the first couple of months when the pandemic hit because that was a one way to stay connected because people zoom fatigue is real um we're all tired of zoom students don't even love using zoom that much but talking with their friends via online video game playing like that's been huge even to the point where during the summer as a staff engagement there were staff members who hosted an animal crossing like half hour like let's visit each other's islands and i tried really hard not to buy that and i did Oh, it's like just a to-do list. I always have a fun to-do list, but I'm like, oh no, this is not good for my personality. So I've been trying to balance it out again with my Mario Kart and my Smash Brothers. <laughs> but it's a way that to connect, like right now, and, and Glenn, you're, you're the center of this. Our students that did come back to campus had to be by themselves in their rooms for the first two weeks. And we were trying to figure out how can we make that, how can we build community in that space when it's we I don't think anybody who's listening to this knows that that is not the ideal way to introduce mm-hmm. students to your campus community and right, right. figuring out ways to connect them 
and get them to know each other. This, it's these, these are the methods that are available to you, not only, but also students are going to flock to this stuff. So, so just shifting here. So we're in this pandemic um, environment. How are you seeing uh, students, staff, faculty connecting to pop culture in this environment? I mean, obviously everyone's going online. Um, are you seeing um, positive impacts, um, negative impacts? What are you seeing out there just in your conversations with others? I'm seeing positive impacts in terms of, as I mentioned, like the video game playing, but there's sense of community still out there. I don't know how we got so lucky, but like Netflix has released a lot of good content as well. But um, we could have a whole panel on just the Umbrella Academy season two and everything that happened in that season. It was so good. Um, but there's been shows like Lovecraft Country where you, you could binge them right now or watch them episodically. But it's, it's the Watchmen exactly where people are coming together. And then I'm looking on Netflix because I have, you know, Netflix knows you like a certain type of genre. So I was like, oh, Warrior Nun. I'll check this out. I'm like, sure, it's like another chosen one. But I'm like, oh, this is so fun. Um, so I think that's how we're seeing community around shows, video games, comic books. The media that's still being produced is still serving as a catalyst for people to come together in conversation around community, also with a critical eye to talk about everything going on with the parallels of what's happening in the world with the pandemic the racial pandemic, and what we're seeing in our pop culture media as well. Interesting. I know that, you know, as a, um, Alex, your full disclosure, I too play Pokemon Go. I'm level 39. I'm getting up there. And I know that um, even with Pokemon Go, they've shifted to sort of a, a you know, a physical uh, or social distancing format. And I find it very interesting because even when I'm on campus and I'm still, you know, walking between spaces or whatnot, I'm playing, I can see folks, they're, they're playing, you know? And so, you know, there's this desire to continue uh, to, to connect with their, uh, their, their chosen activity or the things that they're really connected and passionate to. So it's very powerful. I wanna shift a little bit here and um, ask you, um, if a student affairs practitioner or really anyone in, in education wants to explore this um, connection, connection, particularly around identity, belonging and community development, what type of advice would you give them? Because obviously there's been a lot of great points, um, but what advice would you give them to just begin their journey to connecting it? I think starting with the gateway, like if, if they know, if they don't know and want suggestions, like Emily said, I think people, each of us, right, would be very happy to give people suggestions and they would be completely different. There's a little bit of overlap, but I think there's lots of ways to, to get involved. So to figure out, you know, just try a little bit of this and that. Like for me, I watched an episode of Game of Thrones because some friends were like, it's not that violent. The violence has a purpose. I know. I watched half a minute and I was texting them going, are you kidding me? This person got beheaded in the first half minute. And so that wasn't speaking to me. And so it's fine. I, you know, I, I went through a whole season just to see and, and then realized that that wasn't it for me. Um, but, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, absolutely in there. Um, a lot of the, the Disney animation is very um, fun and engaging for me. And so, you know, I have um, lots of staff members who are talking about Korean soap operas. That seems to be speaking to them at the moment. So figuring out what that gateway is and then figuring out who else is doing that, who else is interested in it and building the community around that. And then, um, as Emily said, right, you get other suggestions that are, are speaking to you because that's in your algorithm. The more people that you can connect with who have a similar interest will have other interests and, and so on and so on. And so then you're in. And what's unique is some of our gateways are still very relevant. So as a child, like when I say what made me a geek, it was Star Wars, the original trilogy, um, and She-Ra. And then lo and behold, She-Ra came back, <laughs> which was nothing like my 1985 She-Ra, but it was so much better. And it was so amazing and so well done when you talk about representation. Um, so it is trying to find out if people say, well, but I geek out about Broadway musicals. Yeah, so do I. You know, I geek out about books. Yeah, so do I. I was an English literature major. So like, what makes you really excited? And then let's talk about that and you could get someone talking about something they're excited about for another 30 minutes and then start asking questions that help them even think critically about why they connect with that. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the key is really that internal excitement about a thing. Um, one of the things we talk about a lot when we're presenting is, and this is, it goes to Brian's point earlier about toxic fandom, you know, here's a, here's a way to uh, engage in it in a really sort of positive way is when you are sharing the thing you're passionate about, do it in a way that's bringing people into the circle instead of ex excising people from the circle. I'm a comic book fan. And I once had somebody come to me and say, oh, I like Batman too. I've seen all the movies. Now, my initial impulse was to be like, well, you haven't read the comic books. You're not, you're not a comic book fan. And a lot of fandom has that reaction where it's sort of like you have to prove to someone that you're a fan of a thing. And what we ask people to do is flip it. If you have something you enjoy, don't try to judge whether someone is a fan. If someone says, oh, I'm a big Batman fan from the movie, you go, great. I, have, I love those movies too. Let me loan you a comic book because if you love the movies, you'll probably love that. Or to Alex's point, I don't really like horror. To not be like, oh, no, no, you're dumb for not liking horror, <laughs> right? That is not a way to bring people into a circle. And that's the beginning of toxic fandom, which I think we all can agree is a terrible, terrible thing. Mm -hmm. But whatever you love, whatever you have passion about, and I think everybody on this call knows, and I, what I have found is most people I've interacted with in the world have a thing that they're really into. And Brian and I have talked about how a lot of us learn to push it down, but a thing that you love that you could talk about until the sun goes out, that's your thing. Embrace it and let other people know that you're into it. And if you get sort of some flack for it, those are toxic people that you don't really want to engage with. But I guarantee you, if you're in student affairs and you're interacting with students, there's a student out there who sees that. And there's a student out there who is going to be like, like uh, Alex and Emily talked about, which I, I remember that moment at our first Comic-Con presentation. And I was just floored of women coming up to them and being like, oh my God, you're geeks, but you're, and I think they said girls. And just for them to see the two of you, to me, I was like, if we never do another panel in our lives, that's why we're doing this. I mean, I get, you all know me, I get super stoked about this. And this brings me a great deal of joy, but the, at the basis of its joy is so many people have repressed this part of themselves and there's so much joy and, and satisfaction in it for them that part of, I think, what we collectively are trying to do is give you, give people the space to be open and say, hey, you know what? No, I'm, I'm geeky about this. And, and like, I don't care if it's Harlequin romance books I don't, whatever it is, just, you know, that's your thing. Talk about it, be it. And you'll find community, somebody somewhere. I grew up where I didn't know any other kids that, that like comics. And that was a really lonely existence. So to find, particularly black kids, so to find that community is so, so critical. You know, um, Al, it's interesting because, oh, go ahead, Brian. Uh, no, stay on that thread. I can jump in after, go ahead. Well, I was going to comment on, um, similar to many of you, Al has been um, integral in getting me connected to this uh, culture and really kind of exploring. And I know he took me to my um, first Comic-Con about eight, nine years ago, and it's it's now kind of rolled into my family. So my family rolls to Comic-Con and they've, they, you know, when I said, you want to go to Disneyland and Comic-Con, they look at me funny like, Disneyland? No, we're going to Comic-Con. <laughs> but I think in part because of the diversity of um, areas and topics and interests because even today when you know now obviously not this past year but in the past um, when we go to comic-con as a family I don't see my family at comic-con because we're all going to different things I'm really into Asian inspired anime my kids my daughter's in the art and the illustration section um, and my son is really into uh, manga and gaming and so it, it is a really fascinating thing when you speak about fandom and the different areas and subjects um, so you know I want to um, yeah, I want to kind of turn, Brian, you wanted to weigh in on something or did you, was there a topic or a thought that you had? Uh, only that in addition to what everybody else said, I think, um, you know, we've lightly touched on this, but unpacking like villains, I think is really important in a lot of these stories, both in terms of, um, you know, um, uh, villains who weren't necessarily, like people who have been villainized over time. So sort of unintentional villains that maybe some of us actually relate to from earlier stories, um, as well as like unpacking the negative experiences that, you know, uh, led down, led folks down a certain path. I mean, we've mentioned Thanos, we've mentioned Killmonger. Those are all very relevant, but I think, you know, um, 
right now there are some scary, like for me, climate change is as scary as Galactus. Like that's a real thing or like censorship. Some of the things that uh, we're seeing that we're now being told, like if you want a federal grant, don't talk about critical race theory. Like these are real superhero moments that I think in addition to supporting our students, I think those of us who are, you know, for me, like 42 years old, like in more leadership decisions now that I, I'm like, why does anyone trust me with this decision? I shouldn't be affecting lots of people's lives. I think that's something that many of us go through. And for those of us on this call, kind of remember a time where we um, worked these things out, these like these crazy disagreements within fandoms in person, but there's like these superpowers that all of us have with access to the internet and phones and pushing that button is probably a power many of us couldn't have admit. Like I can communicate my thoughts to the whole planet. What? Um, and I think we're reckoning with those now too. And where are the stories that can help us get through data privacy, uh, deep fakes, uh, all these sorts of things that are going to be affecting us for a very long time. The rise of fascism, supervillains in the presidency. I mean, I read those books in the in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking at time. We're running out of time, y'all. And so what I want to do is I want to kind of wrap this up and give you all about thirty to sixty seconds. Um, if you were to meet up with this question, if you were to meet up with a student affairs professional or an educator, really. Uh, and wanted them to geek out, nerd out with you on something specifically that, that's meaningful to you, what would you invite them to join you in, in your adventure? And let's go ahead and start with um, Emily. Put you on the spot here. Um, I would invite them to binge watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer with me, and, but also read the comic books. Um, I'm actually just finishing the comic books that were tied to Joss Whedon, but just to talk about, you know, having that character in 1997 when it came out. And yes, the movie was before that. I'm going to talk to Sarah Michelle Gellar about the Vampire Slayer um, and kind of what that meant. Um, like for me, I was a year older than the actual character of Buffy, which is why I connected so much with her. But the, the villains she fought and the metaphors that was to high school life, to real life, um, and just the learning that could come from that, as well as also taking a critical eye. Um, I was actually not a Spike and Bucky fan, very much to what Al had mentioned before, because um, people look over that relationship violence aspect of it, but it, it's, there's so many important lessons that equate not just to high school students, but to college students as well. So I'd geek out over Buffy. Al? Uh, I have so many things, but right now, Lovecraft Country, Lovecraft Country did not come to play with you and your little friends, okay? Lovecraft Country is putting out some stuff that my whole life, as a 51-year-old Black man, I, I would think nobody is, nobody's going to say this out loud about sort of taking the one of the core texts of, of horror and sci-fi fandom that everybody talks about and really sort of being like, y'all know that's racist, right? Like, and really like not even doing it in phrases of analogy, but just blatantly being like, we're going to show you the racism inherent in this, the, the, the sci-fi tales you have loved. We're going to show you the real experience of real life terror that Black people experience in the 50s and today. Um, and, and we are not going to play with this, this, narrative and we're also not going to have heroes that are pure good that never do anything bad some of the heroes in this show do awful irredeemable actions and and it's complicated there was an episode where at the end something i don't want to spoil anything but something really awful happened that i didn't know if i could come back for the next episode um lovecraft country did not come to play with you your little friends or slim around the corner lovecraft country is insanely good Wow. Brian. Uh, what's my budget, Glenn? <laughs> um, I, I would say, you know, one of the, like, I, I, despite, like, you know, being pub, like, comfortable public speaking and, you know, being tall and all that, like, I, I really tried hard not to stand out as a kid. And so while I've been able to, like, hack my brain to do certain things that make me look 
extroverted. I, I'm still quite introverted. And there's certain things that still like will make me implode if I think about them. And one of them is like dance, performance, all those things. However, um, you know, I would say if, if you're now at, if you've now achieved some level of your life where um, you can invest in your fandom, you know, I invested in cosplay and I have a Predator cosplay from the 1987 movie of the same name created by Stan Winston. And when I put that like mask and everything on, like I can do things that I can't do uh, when I'm just like this in a crowd. And so I would take somebody, I would find out what their fandom is, and then I would immerse them in cosplay and provide them the joy of what happens when you walk through a big crowd and a hundred people want to take pictures with you. And you can, you can correct things uh, in fandom with cosplay. Um, probably one of my favorite things, uh, similar to what Al was talking about with some of the course correction of H.P. Lovecraft stories is that people course correct things with cosplay in fandom that I think is really powerful. So that's what I would do. Thanks, Brian. I've seen you in that Predator outfit and it's amazing. Alex, take us home. It is amazing. And I just want to say to Al um, that I think that that notion of not all heroes are always good and perfect and not all villains are always bad is so important, particularly as we're going into this political time. I think that people are, are so ready to, to either hate someone or love someone and, and we're all flawed, right? Gifts and challenges, that that's so important. But um, what I have been into for the last several months is The Mandalorian. Um, it, it's along the Star Wars genre, but also, um, my nieces and nephews love it and they can watch it. And so it's like getting a whole new generation into Star Wars um, in a way that because we're all at home, like we could be watching it at the same time, um, even if we're not in the same place. I know oh, I have a little baby Yoda as well. Um, so I think that that is one of the things that really speaks to me. And that, again, this notion that some of the most powerful superheroes don't have to be real big. They can be real small and real quiet. And it still um, has a giant impact. And then the other thing I would say in terms of being distant from each other, Emily and I participate with a group of people who play Zoom trivia once a week. And um, that's modeled off of a pub that used to exist here and sadly went out of business during the pandemic, but um, it helps us to take all the genres and put it in there and test our, our knowledge with each other all in good fun. That's incredible, that's pretty cool. So I'm looking at time, we've run out of time. I wanna thank this panel, all of you for um, your time and just um, helping uh, with this episode on Student Affairs Now. Um, if anyone in the audience wants to connect with any of the panelists, their contact information, their Twitter is on studentaffairsnow.com. You can also receive reminders about this and other episodes by subscribing to Student Affairs uh, Now newsletter, which um, you can find on our website. Um, we just launched, so I'm really excited about this. Um, please subscribe to the podcast, invite others to subscribe, share this on social, leave a five-star review. It really helps conversation like this reach more folks and build communities so we can continue to make this free for everyone. Um, if you have any topics that you want me to personally explore, please reach out. You can find my information as well on the website. Again, my name is Glenn Guzman. Thanks again to everyone on this panel. Um, and I want to thank everyone also for watching and listening. Um, be safe, be well, take care. <laughs>